is She Thrives, a safety in the workplace podcast brought to you by African Women on Board, AWB. The podcast is an important part of AWB's Violence Against Women in the Workplace Initiative and is funded in part by Ford Foundation. My name is Omoye Uzamere and I'm your host. In here, we have a team of people who have worked very, very hard to make sure that we have a podcast series that is engaging, that is insightful. You know, I think that on our own, we've had all these learning experiences and we've had all these, I'll say, micro experiences that have added up to giving us the conviction, you know. And I believe that I've said this often on the show about how I didn't know that I had experienced violence in the workplace for so long. And I remember sending in a voice note saying, oh, when I read the podcast, I was blown away. I was surprised at how even I, you know how you see yourself as above certain things or above certain experiences. Oh, no, I'm never really a victim of such things because I, I, I know myself, you know, I'm quite self-assured. I know the things that I'll take and I won't take. I have the gift of goodbye. You know, we have all these things that we say to hype ourselves. But I realized that the fact that some things may not, and that's a strong may, not affect you adversely doesn't mean that it's not happening to you. So I'm going to start with Inem. Can you talk about what you've learned that workplace violence really is? Thank you, Omoye. Um... I mean, I've learned that workplace violence at the workplace is any form of violence or threat to anyone while the person is performing their duty. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be the four walls of an office. It can be a school. It can be in front of your house. If you're, um, you're selling banana, for instance, and you're mm-hmm. selling in front of someone's house, that's your workplace. You know, it can be in a bar. It can be... Um, right in the middle of the road or whatever, but wherever you are performing work or duty yes. is, is, yeah, is your workplace. Nice. NM is the program manager at AWB. Thank you so much. Shade. Shade is client manager and legal at RDF Strategies. Shade, give examples of instances where you've witnessed workplace violence and not taking it to be what it is. Um, thank you, Omoye. I don't necessarily know if I have, ex- well, I guess I would say I have, because I think, would verbal, would verbal abuse be workplace violence? I don't know. Um, Absolutely. But, okay, exactly. So, yeah. So you see or you hear people berate their staff and you're just in shock of what is going on all in the name of leadership. Is it that serious? You know, so you just see these things and sometimes you want to speak up. But I feel like a lot of times in Nigeria, I think I've come to learn that sometimes when you're speaking up for other people, you're just wasting your time because people are really out there to just make money and move on with their lives. So you have to deal with those challenges. And to Inam's point about um, what I have learned, I think it's interesting for me to expand my understanding of what workplace violence is. Because I think a lot of times we're also maybe we live in this like bubble that workplace is just in the office or maybe in the market. Well, like she said, if you are a malam and that is where you're manning the gates and you're being abused, that is workplace violence. If you're selling food by the corner regularly, that's where you go to. That is workplace violence. So yeah, for me, it's like learning and having an expanded definition of what workplace violence is. 
and seeing workplace violence happen to people that I know, or even maybe myself, and you want to speak up and you think about, ah, well, I don't have salary yet though, so maybe I should just keep my mouth shut. And you're just having to deal with all these issues and trying to like yourself, prop yourself up saying that I'm better than <laughs> this, don't worry. You know, I will soon get out of the situation. So having to walk those fine lines um, regularly has, has been something I, I have actually had to reflect on that in putting, you know, in helping us on this program or this project rather. I remember in the episode we had with... Professor Bosse Afolabi, she talked about how she had never experienced bullying her entire life and her entire career until she was an associate professor. And she thought it was really, really, I imagine that it was jarring. And so it, it tells you that these things do happen and it doesn't matter what your class is, your social class or your level of academics, you know, or achievements, it can happen. I know that there was a CEO who experienced something at the hands of a government official, a CEO of a multinational. <laughs> I mean, you know, nobody's immune to these things. Shane, what episodes were the most profound for you? Shane Ajayi is the producer of the podcast series. Um, okay, so I think that the uh, on the first day we had a recording with, uh, with Mrs. Uji Ofodile and she said something very profound on the first day of, of our recordings. Um, she said that Nicolette she... Nilo. Uh, with, with Nicolette Nilo. And she said, she said on that day that she had never before it happened to her taking meetings alone before. And on the day she decided to take a meeting alone as the CEO of, you know, as the CEO of a multinational, she was harassed. And the, she told us what the extent was. The, she was. the meeting was done. She stood up to leave. And the man who she had a meeting with, the top government official, pulled her close, kissed her, and grabbed her Tried and grabbed her. her on her butt. I think you know, he tried to kiss her. He tried to kiss her. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, what, the way she said it was that he, you know, was planting his lips and she, she fought him off, pushed him away. And yeah, she actually said he kissed her. Yeah, he oh, said. He, yeah, he, he I kissed blurred, her. I blurred. I couldn't. I couldn't see it. I blurred it. <laughs> he kissed her. He said. She said. Oh, and you know what? What? What it did for me was the first thing that came to my heart was wow. Wow, you know what are we doing to protect, um, just to protect the women around us? You know, um, I also come from a background where, you know, um, for my industry, the silence, the silence is what buries, is what buries, um, silence around the happening, is what buries people from buries people's resolve yes. to come out. Yes, because I see even on film sets sometimes where, you know, you see a young lady getting harassed by probably some older guy or even someone who's around their age, you know, um, and most of the time it's, it's, you know, they, they either making comments or trying to grab or pull and, and all of that playfully, so to speak. But 
everybody around them is silent, especially the guys who can caution the other guys, the men yes. who can caution the other men, you know. So when when that happened, it just it jarred me, it jarred me because it means that nobody's left out. It means yep. that if we if we if we continue to live in this kind of um, environment where the women are not protected by the laws and women are not protected based off of just how men other men behave and people around them behave, it. I mean. <laughs> Ngozi Okonjo, Iwala, one of the most powerful women in Africa right now, could be objectified just based on the fact that she's a woman. Do you get what I mean? Yep. So I'm. It, yep. It really did me <laughs> in, and I feel like we all have a part to play on our own level. I totally agree. In fact, you made reference to uh, playful teasing you know on sets and i realized that the fact that it's playful doesn't mean it isn't harassment you know so the question is what is the test what is the litmus test for these things it's how the person it's directed at feels about it so i had a debate with a senior colleague um one of the actors who we call auntie and she said to me look some of these girls are being and there was a woman who said to me that how can you say that when people play like this, how can you say that they're being... I said, Auntie, it depends on how it makes her feel. You are desensitized. You're, you've got tougher skin. And this other person doesn't have the same. So it's not about... I think this is where regard and respect comes in, regardless of who you are. If someone can banter, if one person can banter with you and make um, sexual jokes all day long, and another person is unable to do that, then respect the wishes of the person who is unable to do it. And don't say, oh, but, but you're both women and two women share a different opinion. That's exactly what it is, a different opinion. And so if teasing one person about her body makes her uncomfortable, even though you're used to doing it with someone else, then desist from doing it because it makes them uncomfortable. So for me, the litmus test is how it makes the other person feel. You know, Michael... Michael Umo is the creative strategist. He's the thinker on the team. Can I ask you this question? Before this project started, what did you think violence in the workplace meant? And how has your opinion changed? Um, it hasn't really changed much because I... Okay, let me, let, me start from, let me start from my family background. I have two elder sisters was significantly older than I am. Yes. So from them, at a very young age, I already learned that uh, the world was pretty unfair to women. And um, my sister, my eldest sister, used to work in a um, fitness and wellness center. And she was the she was the massage assistant or something like that. You can you I think you can figure out where I'm going with this. I can I can figure <laughs> it out. Yes, yes. And um, she would come back home every day. She would be frowning, and I'll be like, "Why are you frowning? You just came back from a work that you say from a job that you say pays well." And she'd be like, "Because somebody who is older than my father will walk into the job and tell me he wants me to give him a massage, and then he will tell me I better ensure that he has a happy ending." And I'm like, why are you in charge of happy endings? I don't understand. And then she explained it to me. 
And I think that was the first conversation I had that really made me realize that workplace violence was could also happen outside what we think of as corporate spaces, that as professional spaces. You know, when people think about workplaces, it's four corners of the office. If it's outside those four corners, it's not work, it's, it's social violence, the one that we're used to. So this project might have uh, contextualized workplace violence for me, but it didn't really change my idea of it. I've already been, been aware that it was a lot larger than what most people thought it was. Yeah, so, so what new context do you now see it through? Um, Entrepreneurial-related violence. The one where, you know, domestic violence, the line between domestic violence and workplace violence is blurred, and then it's also linked to the fact that these women have capital and the, 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 the availability of that capital is mostly, it's a, it's a strong variable for their husbands, you know, attacking them and trying to get the capital and, you know, the interplay between those things. That was one thing I'd never thought about. Even though I had seen it a lot while growing up, yes. you understand, I'd seen it so many times. There was a woman on my street who had like the, largest provision store on the street and her husband was famous for every time the government every time the nigerian government came came out with a new bill with a new naira notes he would always be the, one of the first people to get the notes so people people really praised him for it right but then it turned out that she was the one getting the notes he would beat her up take the money and use it to sparkle for like a week you know, get the streets cred for it for like a week and everything. So we, we, we discovered that years later, like over about 10 years or so after it happened, after it stopped happening. Yeah. That's an interesting perspective. So I had a, a very, I had a conversation with someone yesterday and we talked about a bunch of things and you know how um, conversations tend to sway i think okay I'll tell you how it started i had a conversation with someone yesterday and we talked about an interview that i had just recently given and um the the host was talking about made the show about being single and so we started talking about this whole you know i don't know why that's a debate about being single and being married and fulfilling your purpose and she gave a very interesting perspective which basically ended up saying that being that these are pedestrian conversations because of the type of society we live in. Could it be that because of the kind of society we live in, we're a third world country, we're still talking about violence in the workplace. Do you think that that is why it's happening? Or because I'm relating this to something that um, one of our guests said about how when they carry out empowerment programs, for women, especially for economic empowerment, they carry the men along. They carry their husbands along. Their focus groups, their um, all kinds of conversations, because they realize that if a woman is financially independent and her husband is not, then that creates a very a tilted dynamics for them, and it becomes a problem. So, do you think that these are, for lack of a better phrase, Pedestrian conversations because of the economy that we live in. Um, Shade, would you care to speak to that? I feel like I have so many things to say that I've just been, as you were talking. So to that point, um, I agree. I think that like this morning, I was telling my mother that what they were talking about marriage on TV. And I was like, is that all that is in people's minds in this country? 
And I saw so marriage, 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 marriage. Like there's nothing else to discuss besides marriage. So I do agree that it's such a very pedestrian conversation. But I don't think that's because we're a third world country. I don't necessarily think that that's the reason. I think, um, I think it's about religion and culture that has a bigger role to play than the fact that we are a third world country. And to your point about um, in other countries, um, maybe violence is not happening. I don't think that that's the case as well. I think that in Nigeria or in other countries, maybe you can say, for lack of a better word, third world countries is that it's more, um, it's more in our faces because in other countries, this also happens, but there are better laws to protect people. So people are more um, coded, as they say, in how they go about doing these things. So not, I mean, look at this, look at Harvey Weinstein, like it was happening, but people were not talking about it. But now yeah. that people talked about it, it came out. And the last thing I would say is that I personally believe that a lot of people in Nigeria, we have mental issues. And these mental issues is what is affecting how we treat people. The sooner and earlier that we all go and speak to therapists about the childhood issues that we're carrying, the better I feel like the country would be. Because people are dealing with so much, so much baggage from someone saying that, oh, you are not going to become successful. Your family is this. You are useless. And we see how that translates to workplace violence. People berating their staff, people hitting their staff, people just talking to people in like, in a way that no human being should be spoken to. Even if you're a dog, a dog should not be spoken to in that manner. So I really just, it's, I mean, cause my first degree is in psychology. And when I speak to people um, or just observe people, I see the, the, the unresolved issues that people are still carrying that yes. is impacting and affecting how they act as leaders, as followers. So the earlier we begin to address that and go and speak to ther- therapists, and I, and I do agree that therapy in Nigeria is expensive. Not everybody can afford it, but there has to be a way because I feel like that is the beginning of us, I guess, get in some way making some progress to um, maybe just becoming a better country. I don't, know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that, that makes any sense, but I just, yes. it's just, it's just always on my mind about the, the need for therapy in this country. I totally agree with you. I think that we're all carrying something and we're is some of our experiences. NK, I would just like you to talk about, I want you to talk about the journey, you know, as research project manager, what are some of your mm-hmm. findings and what are some things that you didn't realize? Just talk about some things that have come to you as a surprise. I guess to some extent, because I feel that you make changes as much as possible within children and we're raising a whole generation of kids. I don't want this to like escape them, like maybe by taking the seminars to schools so that you can get them on board early. Because yes. I don't like to write off people, but so, to some extent, some people become set in their ways so i mean there are cultural ways we can try to shift the conversation like through our arts and movies citation is doing a good job of that so more things like that to be around so that like people's psyche starts changing but even more importantly how much work we need to do with young children because we grew up in a society that these things are so normalized 
and our legal system has not done a great job of protecting us it's almost like we keep we keep repeating the cycle over and over and that's not to say i also want to be careful that when we talk about violence against women we don't make it like a pandemic like especially with the african conversation because oftentimes that happens where it's like oh it's easy for us to say oh black people are more violent than other people i don't think that that there's any evidence that that's the case but what mm -hmm. happens is there are not enough legal structures in place so that people that are like are held accountable for their actions at the very least so yes. i think Oh, that's that's pretty much what I would like to say. That there's a lot of work to be done for the young kids and bringing them on board as early as possible because this usually is the formative. Because those children are living in homes where there's violence. They're seeing it all, even in their in the casual movies, we're trivializing those sorts of things. So it's just important to just flood everywhere with images that have been more um, appropriate, if that makes sense. Thank you so much. I, I completely agree with you. And this is, for me, a another Eureka moment, a learning curve where um, we don't know that we're doing it. We don't know that we're making it look like Nigeria or Africa is where these problems mostly are. And I'll go back to... Um, to something, a documentary that I saw. And, you know, as actors, we we research work that we do. And I remember when we did August meeting, I had to research the era. And I realized that um, from, from doing August meeting and from the documentary Awani and researching in that, you know, the general, er, the general researching generally, you know, the pre-colonial era, we realized that African women were empowered. African women were powerful. African women were were independent. They were leaders in the community. And um, the suggestion is that the colonial masters came and saw that in this society, women had a great standing, a greater standing than the women back home. And we couldn't let our women in England, for example, who had to go out with a chaperone, come and see that the market women who were leaders and who made decisions in the community. And I think that that is where it started. It came from. And so to speak to that, I believe that women in Nigeria, in Africa, actually are empowered. But we're not going to stop, stop by comparing. We're going to push to make sure that all instances of violence against women in the workplace are eradicated. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation, guys. This was really, really, really great. African Women On Board remains passionate about amplifying African female voices, supporting African female empowerment, and helping to create a world in which African women and girls are given the tools and resources they need to fully realize their potential. If you'd like to collaborate or share your stories, please send an email to awb at africanwomenonboard.org. For more information, please visit our website on www.africanwomenonboard.org. You can also connect with us on social media, Instagram at awb.network, Twitter at awbafrica, LinkedIn at African Women On Board, 
Facebook, African Women On Board. Thank you for listening. Have a lovely day.